Good morning, we're back. Hey, hey, good to see you all. Awesome. How's everybody doing? Good to be back. You pleased to be here? Pleased to be here? Yeah, cool. Awesome. Well, look, I've got a message this morning, and as you can see on the projector, I've titled it, The Battle is the Lord's. The Battle is the Lord's. And over recent times, I've found myself um, reading just as I've read through the Bible and where I've been up to. With that, I've found myself reading about the life of David again. And man, what a man David was, eh? He, was, he lived a significant life. He lived a life that was, he's a remarkable guy, but his life certainly wasn't exempt of challenges, significant challenges that went right throughout his life. And uh, it's been so good just to read through um, David again. And I've actually finished the book of First Chronicles, and I realized that I'm probably not going to be reading directly about David's life again. I was a little bit saddened by that. And so it was a really, really cool just to get a whole new depth and, and graphs about the life of, of David. And I'm going to talk about that uh, this morning. And so amongst his challenges and his, amongst his difficulties, perhaps one of the greatest challenges that he had was an account in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 30, and it was when they were living in a place called Ziglag, which was territory for the Philistine area. And so just to give you a bit of context for that, so basically David and his men, so David is a fugitive of King Saul, so the king of Israel is wanting to hunt him down and kill him and take his life really just out of jealousy, really just out of David has lived honorably, he's lived in a way of serving and assisting and helping King Saul, and yet we have this king that is hunting David down, and that's a pretty tough thing to live for and to, to keep your heart right before that. And so we find David and his men have taken refuge in what's called the land of the or territory of the Philistines, and the Philistine people were enemies against Israel, and they lived in this place, or David was, and his men were given this place called Ziglag to live in by uh, the king, um, one of the Philistine kings at the time. And so they, where they were, they travelled back to their city, and it was about a two or three day journey to get there, and they came back to the city of Ziglag, and they find that their city has literally been burnt to the ground. Literally everything is, is gone. They find that their wives, the men's wives, their sons, their daughters, everything's gone. Their sons and daughters and wives have been taken captive and they, they have lost, effectively they've lost everything. And so as you can imagine, the men are, are just stricken with grief. They're absolutely stricken with grief. It says, the Bible says in that chapter that they they wept until they had no more power to weep. They literally, you know, cried their eyes out. And then in the midst of that, the men actually retaliate against David. And they say to David, they, they want to basically stone him to death. And they take their grief out on David, which they would have seen as probably failed leadership and decisions and seen him as responsible for the, for the situation that he was in. And so David is in a pickle, isn't he, <laughs> to say the least. And so in 1 Samuel chapter 30, verses 6, it says that now David was, so keep all those things in mind, so now David was greatly distressed 
For the people spoke of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. And so that's what we're going to look at this morning. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. And from that particular verse, that was like the catalyst, that was like the turning point that saw David and his men get victory and recover everything that they had lost. And actually that chapter is a really good chapter to do a Bible study on it. There's so much in it, but we're just going to focus on that this morning in terms of David's response in that moment of distress and in that moment of grief. So let's pray together and then we'll get into it. So Lord, I just thank you that you're here. I thank you that you're on this place. Thank you that we can come together and gather together and the power in that to worship together, to hear your word together, to proclaim your goodness. And Lord, we can't fully comprehend what that actually does in the spiritual realm, in the heavenlies. Lord, how powerful that is when we're proclaiming your victory, speaking your name. And I just thank you that we can do it together, we can fellowship together. I just pray that, Lord, that you would be in this place, that your presence would be in this place, that you'd open up our eyes, that you'd open up our ears to really see you, to hear what you are saying to us, Lord. Reveal your heart to us. May you be glorified. May you change our lives through your word. Help me to communicate this well by your spirit, I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, to reflect your heart. Amen. Amen. So looking at that, so just going back to that chapter, so as I said, David and his men, they've just arrived at, at Ziglag, and they find it literally burnt to the ground. Everything, everything is gone. You know, their livelihood, their houses, everything that they work for is just literally in rubbles. It's burnt to the ground. And more than that, their wives and their sons and their daughters are, are gone. They've lost everything. And David, like I said, had his men that are literally his own men, his troops, have become enemies against him. They want to take down his life. They want to stone him to death because they saw that he was responsible for some of his decision-making and that with his leadership, and they wanted to take him out. So David was in a tough spot. But it says that in 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 6, that David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. You know, it was his God. You know, it was his personal God. He knew God. He'd probably done that, I'm sure, many times before, that he knew what it was to go to God and to strengthen himself and to remind himself of who his God is and his promises towards him and his people. It was his God that he went to. And I want you to know this morning that even when you feel that you've lost everything, even if you feel like you've everything in the world is gone, that you've lost everything. You may even feel as well that everyone is against you. You know, there is still one that you can go to. There is still one that will never leave you nor forsake you. There is still one that you can find strength for. There is still one that, whose oil and water will never run dry. You can go to him even when anything, everything's against you. Even when you feel like you've lost everything, everyone might, you might feel like everyone's against you. There's still one. They will never leave you nor forsake you, and that is for you. And you can go to him for strength. In Psalm 121, verses 1 to 2, it says, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. That's where our help comes from, eh? He's a, 
ever-present help in time of need. He is always, always there. And I'm just thinking about that. I'm thinking, you know, what... So that was David's response, which was quite remarkable in the sense of the stress and the grief and everything that he was going through. He, he turned to the Lord. But what could have been his responses? What could have the potential responses been of David? And I've listed three that I think are potentially different ways that he could have responded. And the first one, I think he could have very easily gone within himself. He could have gone within his shell. He could have just allowed the, the circumstances at hand, the situation that was at hand just to play its course. And as from what the men were saying about wanting to stone him, that wasn't going to end very well. But he could have gone into his shell. He could have just gone into a place of just withdrawing and gone within himself. Number two, he could have really easily uh, retaliated against his men and said, you know, listen guys, you know, I've, I've lost everything as well. You know, I'm in the same place with you. I've lost my wives. I've, I've lost everything. And I'm in the same place with you. And once more, you know, I'm, I'm leading you. I'm responsible for you and your families. And do you know what that's like to be in that position to lead you? You know, I'm, I'm in this as well. And he could have got angry and retaliated against his men and against the situations and circumstances that he was in. Number three, I think he could have, he could have reacted emotionally to what happened. He could have taken the, the grief, he could have taken the anger from that situation and actually used that as fuel to then go, okay, I'm just going to go after whoever did this. You know, I'm going to get my vengeance, so I'm going to go after them. And whatever men want to come with me, that's fine, but I'm just going to go after whoever did this they deserve to pay. And he could have reacted emotionally to everything that was going on without strengthening himself from the Lord and without inquiring of God. And I don't know about you, but I can certainly relate to all those three responses at some time or another when I've been in, in stress and difficulty, even without stress or without difficulty, you know, I can know what it's like to write off your emotions and write off how you feel and, and kind of let that drive you rather than going to God and letting him strengthen you and inquiring of him to ask what direction that he would go have you going and submitting your life to him and your plans to him and, and allowing him to lead you and guide you. It's so easy to uh, it's so easy to go off your emotions, isn't it? But it says that David strengthened himself in the Lord. You know, what would that have looked like? <laughs> what would that have looked like? What would that have sounded like? Thank you. What would that have what would that have been like? And what posture was he in? Was he, was he singing? Was he worshipping? Was he in quiet meditation? What was he thinking? Where was he situating himself? What was going on when David decided to strengthen himself in the Lord? What was he doing? And we don't really know. It doesn't say what he was necessarily doing. But I'd imagine it would be quite consistent and not too dissimilar to the Psalms he wrote in terms of the consistency of the way in his writings to, to God. And I think that, you know, it could, have, it could have gone something like this. You know, God, I've lost everything. You know, my city is burnt to the ground. Everything is gone. Our, our wives, our, our sons and our, our daughters. But God, you know, you are my refuge. 
you are the strength for my life. You know, my heart and flesh may fail, but God, you are the strength of my life and my portion. You are my safe refuge. God, you are the one who fights our battles. God, you are, you are victorious. God, you make a way where there seems to be no way. God, you are the, the master of breakthrough. God, you make my hands ready for war. God, I get with you, I can run against a, a troop. God, my life is in, in you. I trust in you. I rely on you. I depend on you. And I don't think, as I said earlier, I don't think we fully realize you know, the extent of, of what goes on in the spiritual realm or in the heavenlies with the words that we use, with our responses, with um, our prayers, with our, our praise and worship and all those things we don't fully realize or comprehend. Like if we could look at the spiritual realm with what's going on in that case, I think, yeah, it, it would be a bit of an eye-opener to say the least. But look, there's so much that, that goes on. And, and in, the, in the book of 1 Samuel, in that later in that chapter, in verse 16, it says that David and his men came across the people who had burnt the city down, who had taken their wives and sons and daughters captive, probably with spoil and things like that as well. And they came across this group called the Amalekites. And so here they find this group called the Amalekites that have done this to their city, to their people, taken their, their family. And here they are, they're dancing, they're singing, they're eating, they're celebrating, they're, they're partying really with all the spoil that they got from them. And they also raided other areas too. And I think that there would be a bit of a parallel in the spiritual realm with that. I think that, you know, principalities, powers of darkness, as we've already heard this morning, that, you know, the thief, the enemy comes to steal, kill and destroy. That's his, that's his mandate, and that's also the mandate of, of the kingdom of darkness. And I reckon at that time, at that time of David being in his, the depths of distress and the depths of grief, I reckon the principalities and powers of darkness about right, we've, we've got this guy. We've got this guy, you know. He's been anointed to be king of Israel. We're going to stifle that. You know, we're going to rob him of that. We're going to steal that. We're going to take them out. Look, he's got no hope. He's lost everything. And look, even his men have turned, turned against him. Even his men have turned against him. I can imagine there'd be a celebration from the powers of darkness at that time. And then I can imagine there would have been a sound that went into the heavens that penetrated through the heavenlies that was amplified into the spiritual realm. And I reckon there would have been a sound when David started to strengthen himself in the Lord and said, God, I've lost everything, but you are my refuge. You are my strength. You are my strong tower. You are the one that I run to. You are, you will never leave me nor forsake me. You are my victory. And I think when they heard that, principalities and powers of darkness would have trembled and been like, whoa, 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 hang on, whoa, 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 whoa. What's that, what's that sound? Hang on, whoa, hang on, what's he, what's he saying? What's he, what, what's he saying there? I thought, I thought, I thought we, I thought he'd lost everything. I thought, I, I, I thought he'd lost all hope. I thought we'd, I thought he was a goner. I thought we, I thought, I thought we had him. And contrasting to that, I can imagine, you know, the smile of God over David's life. God's smiling over your life. You know, to get the smile of God over your life through faith and trust in him, there's nothing better than that, really, to get the smile of God and the favor of God over your life. And I can imagine the smile of God over David's life and the angels in heaven going, come on, David, you know, come on, David. You know, you remind yourself of who I am and my promises to you. You 
remind yourself of who your God is and what my promises are to you. You know, come on, David, you keep digging. You keep reminding yourself. And at that time was the catalyst for the victory that that came. I think that's a real key. The key in in strengthening ourselves in the Lord, how we do that, whether it's quiet meditation, whether it's songs and worship, whether it's um, reading the scriptures, however we do that, however we express that, and obviously that's going to be variable at different times in our life and, and how we worship the Lord, but I think the key in that is that we've got to remind ourselves of who God is and what his promises are to us. You know, David says that, you know, why are you downcast, my soul? You know, praising God, praise God for the help of my countenance. You know, we've got to remind ourselves of who he is and what he's done for us, his promises um, in our lives. You know, I'm no geologist, but there's so much in the Bible about, about drilling wells and the symbolism through that, right throughout the Bible about drilling wells for water. And we know that water in the natural is, is, such, a, is such a vital, well, it's, it's, it's a necessity, isn't it? We can't live without water. But the symbolism of that in the Bible, there's spiritual symbolism right throughout the Bible of wells. And I think that strengthening ourselves in the Lord does require some digging. It does require us to to dig down deep, but when we seek the Lord with all our heart, when we seek him, the Bible says that we will find him. And so when we dig for the Lord, when we we pursue him, when we go after him, actually we're always going to find water or we're always going to find oil. You know, he never runs dry. But what happens is sometimes we've got so much noise and so much around our soul that it is a bit like, digging down and we've got to go through clay and got to go through gravel and rock and bedrock and all of that sort of thing and and we've got to go through that to get to water but if we persist and don't give up and keep seeking the Lord and keep going after him with all our heart you know we will we will find him and in particular when when you don't feel like it as well I don't know about you, but for me, it's like, you know, getting up in the morning and, and almost probably feeling a bit half dead or like a walking zombie. And I'm trying to walk to get to the kitchen to get a coffee. And I'm, you know, sidestepping my cat. My cat's running in between my legs and, and that. But, you know, once, once I get there, once I make a start, once I get reading the scriptures, you know, that God meets me in that place and is... is and water will flow, and it almost sometimes under my breath, it's like I can say praise and hallelujah, even just catching myself, which speaks a lot more to the goodness of God than it does anything about me seeking God and my ability to seek him, you know, and encountering him. Then the final point that I'll make, and a key to strengthening yourself in the Lord, is to realize where the battle is to realize where the battle is. You know, King, King David, you can't talk about King David much without actually talking about the battle between David and Goliath, perhaps one of the most popular Bible stories uh, that there is. And so here we've got David who goes to, in 1 Samuel chapter 17, and he goes to battle against Goliath. And Goliath has, has successfully 
intimidated and successfully um, caused fear and trembling right throughout the Israelite camp. And here we have David, this young shepherd boy, not a soldier, but a teenager, perhaps one of the bravest teenagers in history. And here he, he comes up to the battlefield and he's just like, you know, who, who is this joker? Who does he think he is um, defying the armies of the living God? You know, he realized where the battle was. We've got a whole Israelite army and I think there needs to be a fresh expression of that for us as a church. And we've actually got to realize where the battle is. And if the battle is the Lord's, then he's already won the battle. And if he's already won the battle, then we can walk in the victory that he's won for us. And if he's already won that for us, then it's all glory and honor and praise to his name as we walk in victory and we can reign in, in life. You know, he's already done it. He's already, there's nothing more to add to that. He's already won the victory. The battle's at the Lord's, but he's already won the victory through Jesus Christ dying on the cross and, and rising again. And we can, as long as we put our faith and trust in him, yes, we're going to go through some battles. Yes, we're going to go through some hard times, but we're already walking in victory and overcoming battles and, and the life that we live and the witness that we have is all glory and honor and praise to him, but it is a life and a walk of victory in him. You know, he, told, he almost, you could almost accuse David of, of being arrogant if it wasn't that he was trusting and had his confidence in the Lord. You know, here he comes up to King Saul and he's like, hey, tell, tell your men not to worry. Tell your men to take heart. I'm going to go out and go after this Philistine. And he said, you know, the battle is the Lord's. You know, he, he knew where the battle was. And I think about my nana and one time we were at a wedding and... Um, and basically the wedding, and then I had, I, she asked me how I was, and I said, you know, I've got a slight, slight headache. And she, had none, she would have none of that. And amongst all these people and all the noise and that, she you know, laid hands on me and said, you know, I, I come against you, Satan. I bind you, Satan, in the name of Jesus. And I release healing, and I loose healing. And I, I just command healing right now in the name of Jesus. And, and what, what, I mean, you think about what's the intent of that. And the intent of that is, is that, she wanted to see her grandson, you know, have a good night and enjoy it and celebrate and not be robbed or restricted from that. And even in her tent, she's like, you know, who is this? Who are the principalities and who is this joker that thinks I can rob Ryan's life? You know, and that's the way that I think we've got to look at that. We've got to realize where the battle is. And if the battle is the Lord's, who does the enemy of our soul and principalities and powers of darkness think they are? to come against us and think that they can thwart or hinder or limit the purposes and plans of what God wants to do in our lives. Actually, that stopped completely, you know, through what Christ has done on the cross, that he has won the victory, that he's destroyed the, the works of the enemy, and we've just got to put our faith and, and trust in him. Another example that I thought of was my nana's twin, twin actually, and um, they're both pretty fiery characters, pretty bold, and, and if you let them loose, there could have been all sorts of trouble. But, um, I mean, you know, God help whatever boyfriends that they had in the past when they were younger. I'd actually be quite comical to see how that all worked out. But, you know, she went to a rest home, and you go and see how she was going, and she was, you know, sharing with people the gospel with people, 
she was, people were sick and she was praying with, um, praying for healing with people and she was just going, oh, things are, things are great, you know, this is what's going on and giving testimony. And my dad actually told me later that one of the, the head of the rest home actually had to go and have a quiet word to her and say, hey, listen, you know, just need to tone it down a little bit. And I think of the disciples in Acts and, you know, they turned the world upside down. They were known for turning the world upside down through preaching the message of Christ through the power of, of God, and I think she turned that rest home upside down. But there's something in their intent, there's something in their response that actually is, you know, who does the enemy think he is to think that he can stop and hinder and thwart and steal, kill and destroy what God has for us? If the battle was the Lord's, then he's already won. He's already won the victory, and we, we walk in that. In Genesis uh, chapter 28, verse 16, we have Jacob, and Jacob has just had a, had, had a dream. And in his dream, he's seen a ladder that is going from earth to heaven, and he's seen angels ascend and descend on that ladder. And then God speaks to him and tells Jacob, or reminds him of who he is and his promise to him. And he awoke from that dream, and he said, Now surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. You know, we've got to realize that I just want to speak this morning that, you know, the Lord is in this place. The Lord has been in this place. The Lord has been in your life. The Lord isn't in your life. The Lord's going to be in your life if you believe in him. And if the Lord's in this place, then he's always working things together for good. His plans are, are, are good, you know, for a future and, and a hope. And he can redeem anything and he can do anything. I think we've got to realize amongst everything that's obviously going on around us and has been going on around us, we need to proclaim that if the Lord's in this place, then the battle was the Lord's. And if the battle was the Lord's, then he's already won the victory for us. He's already won the victory for us. Just in closing, now Amber touched on last week about the phrase, she did a really good message last week, I'd encourage you to, to listen to it if you haven't um, already. But she made a, a particular, um, she said her and Cam used a particular phrase about, you know, this, this hill isn't a hill to die on, or, or this hill is a hill to die on, and other words, you know, pick your battles of what you're going to do. And I just think that actually, you know, Jesus actually, he died on the hill of Calvary. You know, he decided that that hill was worth dying on for us, and that actually through him dying on the cross, he won the victory for us. He conquered the power of sin and death for us. You know, he died on that hill, as, as Suze has shared through communion this morning, that his body was broken and his blood was shed for us for the remission of sins. You know, he has, he has done it all. And in that verse, in the particular verse that Suze read out, it, it was talking about proclaiming, you know, the Lord's death, doing that and proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. You know, that actually his, in his death there is life. In, in him dying on the cross there is victory. And I just want to encourage you this morning that the victory is already won, that the battle is the Lord's, that, that you can strengthen yourself in the Lord by reminding, reminding you of who God is in your life. And it might start with just going, God, help. You know, that is a good, that's an A-plus start. But if you remind yourself of who God is and remind yourself of his promises, strength will come because those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. And soar on wings like eagles, a run and not grow weary and walk and not grow faint. And even when David strengthened himself in the Lord, I can imagine that strength would come, the strength of God would have come 
and revitalized them when he started to remind himself of who God is and his promises towards. So I just encourage you to do that regularly and, and do that um, this morning. So I'm going to finish up there and pray, and I'll hand it back to back to Tom. Um, and yeah, go from there. So Lord, I just thank you for your word this morning. I thank you that the battle is yours and that you have won the victory for our lives. I thank you that you are an ever-present help in time of trouble and that you are so near that we can choose to always strengthen ourselves in you, Lord, whatever we're going through. Help that to be our response this morning and going forth for the rest of the year. May we know that you're near. May we know that we can strengthen our soul in you. Lord, I just pray that you would draw near to us this morning, that you'd help us, Lord, to know what it is to strengthen ourselves in you this year, to be the catalyst for everything else that we do, to walking in victory in you, because the battle is yours, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.